So I was uh, preparing this week for our continuation in the book of Genesis with Joseph, but God decided to give me a different direction for today. Um, so uh, just because I'm sensing that uh, he has a word, a different kind of word for today. So we'll go back to Joseph next week. If you go in your Bibles, turn with your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings 19. <clears throat> And uh, you always want to be sensitive to the Lord's leading. And uh, Jude actually starts this letter saying that he was going to write about something else, but then God changes directions. So, First Kings 19, and I am going to read uh, these verses, and, and we're going to go through just some lessons um, because I'm sensing, uh, I'm sensing a spiritual, spiritual, spiritual tiredness and fatigue in, in a lot of us, including myself. And it's always, to, uh, it's always uh, good to be reminded of certain things. First Kings is about Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. I'm going to read the verses and explain and we'll get into the lessons. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. What did Elijah just do? Elijah just met and defeated with the prophets of Baal. So this is what's going on. After Solomon died, King Solomon, so in Israel there was King Saul, King David, King Solomon. Solomon died, and the country split. Ten northern tribes were known as Israel. It's also called Samaria. And sometimes it's referred to as Ephraim, but it's mainly it's Israel. The ten tribes of Israel had their king, their kings, and Judah and Benjamin had their kings. And all the kings in the north were bad, really bad. And Ahab was really, really bad. Many of the kings before and after, they would introduce sort of a blending of worship. So they would do a syncretistic type thing, saying, hey, here's a calf, here's a golden calf. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. We saw that when you know, way back in Exodus, right? And so what was going on now is instead of saying, well, this represents Yahweh, they would say, let's do away with Yahweh and let's worship a completely different God. So Ahab was really bad, and he married a lady named Jezebel from, from Sidon, which I think it's in Lebanon today. I think it's in Lebanon. It's, uh, it's part of the Phoenician territory at that time. And she was really bad. She was, uh, they worshipped a God called Baal. Baal was a, is a demon. He's a demon ruler. Well, now you have Israel not worshiping God, Yahweh, but they're worshiping Baal. And in the previous chapter, you know, in the previous chapters, Elijah went to Ahab and says, says Ahab, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. Now, why is that significant? Because Baal was a thunder god. He was a storm god. He was a, a god of fertility to provide water and and cause your your crops to grow and basically god says i'm turning off the faucet okay Baal, let's see if you're really god three or so years go by and then he goes and has a challenge with the prophets the false prophets of Baal. and of course uh, if you look at the previous chapters he says you guys go first and so they created their altar and they danced around they sung they say oh Baal." send us the fire. And the idea is this altar of wood and this sacrifice 
send fire down so that we can know that you're God. And they carried on time and time again, and they didn't win. They didn't, nothing happened because there's no God. And Elijah says a simple prayer. He doesn't go carrying on. He says this is a simple prayer. Lord, I'm here. I'm paraphrasing. Just show these people you're God. And fire came down. And by the way, he drenched the wood with, with water, tons of water. So then he kills all the prophets of Baal, 450 of them. All right? Now we have chapter 19. It, Ahab told Jezebel and all that Elijah had done, and now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Elijah has just had this tremendous victory. And it was all God, because we're going to see in this chapter, we're going to see the man Elijah. I'm stressing the word, the man. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I, don't, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by about this time tomorrow. She says, okay, listen up. I'm going after you, and if you're not dead by this time tomorrow, may the gods kill me, right? Verse 3, and he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. That's 95 miles as the, as the crow flies. Okay, Those of us who went to Israel, we, went to, we were on Mar- Car- Car- Carmel. Caramel, caramel, it's flavor, caramel. <laughs> they should name it Mount Caramel so they can sell caramel. Mount Carmel, right? We were there. We saw... And we saw the valley, you know, we were on the mountaintop and we were with Elijah and he's, there's a statue there and we're, we know he does his victory, this mighty thing. But one little word from some one little person named Jezebel sets him off and he's afraid. See, sometimes you think that when the war is over when the battle has just begun, right? And the battle has just got finished and no sooner is he done, does the enemy give up? No. See, so many times in our life, we have spiritual victories, and we think, hey, that's it. Hey, all the, the world's returned to, to normal. And the enemy's like, no, I'm not giving up. And so you have the next day, you have the day after. And Elijah was not prepared for this. He, maybe he expected all of Israel to return instantly and have no opposition. And in our life, spiritually, we're going to have opposition every single day. Even if you have one day of mountaintop victory, be wary of the low valleys of life. Because many times, if you have spiritual highs, you're going to have some spiritual lows. And you have to be prepared for that. I, have, I face that every week. I mean, it may be a good sermon, great service, you know, come home and the enemy's like, like that, you know. Because you don't realize you're still in the battle. Christ has won the war, but, he, but the enemy's not giving up. So spiritually... You have to be aware. Now, Elijah becomes afraid, runs for his life, goes to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. So he's gone south and left his young man there. But he he himself went another day's journey into wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, O Yahweh, O Lord, take my life, for I'm not better than my father's. What a contrast to this from the previous chapter, right? Hey, it's not going to rain till I say it. Guess what? Come on down. We're going to have a showdown. Okay, Corral, 
Carmel style, and God wins and victorious and kill those prophets of Baal. And then no sooner the next day, he's like, just kill me, God. (laughs) That's a man who's, that's the man Elijah. He's just a man. Even James says that, right? Elijah is just a man like us. We, we, We lift up people like they have supernatural abilities. No, we're just people. And as people, we go through times when we become tired. We guys get tired, you know? Just tired. And we start talking nonsense. How many guys talk nonsense sometimes? The whole world's against me. I'm the only one. Just kill me. And then he just works you over, you know? You just kind of just, yeah, you're right. You're a loser. You're nobody. I mean, and what happens when you're in that place? You get tunnel vision, don't you? You get short-term memory, and you get tunnel vision because all you're focusing on is on how you feel. And and then what happens is how you feel becomes your reality, and that's the only thing you see. And I'm not gonna. I, I think what's cool about Elijah is, you know, God uses him tremendously, but he's an example to us. Spiritually, a lot of us are in the battle. We're in the battle every single day, right? We are, we are in it for a long time. And sometimes you, you can tell you start getting a little thin, right? You start getting a little, a little thin on, on, on your patience. And, and, uh, and that's where he is. Then he lay down and slept under a broom tree. He's exhausted. He's worried. He's fearful. He's not thinking right. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at, the, at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So we ate and drank and lay down. And sometimes all you need is just some rest, right? Sometimes you just need a good, good just a break, nap, take some time off, and then you need to eat right. Sometimes it's a matter of, Elijah, you just need to eat. And then... Um, then he says, and uh, verse seven, and the angel of the Lord came uh, came again a second time and touched him and says, "Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you." He's about to take a forty day journey down to Mount Sinai, so he's traveling on foot, probably. You know, it's going to take him some weeks, some time. You know, get there, and the angel gives him probably some supernatural mammy's man, who knows what it is, but he gives him some bread cake, some hot stones, some water. Verse, uh, sorry, verse 7. Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he rose, ate, and drank, and went in the strength that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. So he's traveling far. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now I love, I'm going to read this in a certain way because... What you don't get in this text is you don't get God scolding him. And God is, I think God understands, he understands our nature, right? He understands uh, where we lack, and he's very compassionate. He understands, he goes, that's one thing, when you want to minister to somebody, don't minister to them where you think they are. Minister to where they are actually are, you know? If a sheep has a limp, don't make him run. Carry him, you know. 
If somebody has a, a wound, be gentle. And you have to. And so God, He does that. He goes, "What are you? What are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> All places, you know. What are you doing here, Elijah?" And He said, "I have been very zealous for Yahweh, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant." And pull down your altars and kill your prophets with the sword. By the way, he just had victory. And the people of Israel said, Yahweh's God. He's just proving himself. But Elijah is forgiving those victory, that victory. And all he sees is the problem. And he sees no way out and he carries the burden on himself. Sometimes you go through life and you think it's all on you to solve the world's problems. I mean, I have our time tying my shoes sometimes, you know. I don't have shoes, I don't have laces, but you know, sometimes you know you get that like, wait, how are you how are, and we, we look so who's gonna come and solve the world's problems? That's a burden that you're not meant to carry. Verse ten. And I alone am left. And they seek my life to take it away. God, I have been zealous for you. Israel has turned away. They've forsaken your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have killed your prophets. And I've just run forward. I am alone. I'm left. I'm all alone in this. And they're seeking to kill me. Why don't you just die? Why am I, why am I here? Because I think I am... Tr- I am all alone. Some, how many guys feel all alone? How many guys feel that all alone in that battle? Sometimes you feel like you're the only one that, and God's like, okay, sister, listen, daughter. And it feels that way, doesn't it? Because our perspective is so we get so blinded, we so because we just get our we get so focused. It's all I'm alone. No one cares. No one's here to help me. I'm zealous for you, God, but just kill me. And I and and I let's look at the Lord's response. So he says, "Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord." Now this is a re, this is sort of a replaying of Moses standing in the cleft of the rock scene. Okay, this is holy ground here. And behold, Yahweh was passing by, and a great and strong wind was tearing up the mountains and breaking in pieces the rock before God. Sometimes people think, oh, that's when God moves, is when things, we need to shake the world and shake the earth and make it all. And we, and we, we, that's, we think that's where God is. And it says, no, God was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. You know, Hollywood would make a superhero who can do all that stuff, but he wouldn't be he wouldn't touch the power of God. And he, and we go about it all wrong thinking we have to force people, we have to coerce people, we have to drive people and whip them in the shape and become macho and strong and all that's like, wait, God is not in any of that. Remember, we are spiritual creatures and we are likened to sheep. Amen. Yes. Okay, and that was a that was a call for yeah, agreement. Because <laughs> we're not that tough. We're really not. 
sheep, you know, you know, sheep are more vulnerable. Then after the earthquake, a fire, but God was not in the fire. All these wonderfully, powerfully sounding things. And after the fire, a sound of a thin, gentle whisper. A whispering sounds really dainty, which sounds really weak, but doesn't sound really strong, does it? I want the power of God. And sometimes God has to speak to us most effectively in gentleness. Gentleness, right? Gentle answer turns away wrath, right? Mm -hmm. When you speak gently and softly, you have to lean in to hear the guy, right? It happened after Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now we just asked them the same thing. Now the scene's different. Now he's, it's, but it's sort of like he's approaching him again. Now Elijah's going to say, this, Lord, I've been very zealous for Yahweh, the God of hosts. The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've pulled down your altars, have killed your prophets with the sword, and I am lone and left, and they seek my life to, to take it away. Now, catch this, because I'm going to lead into some, some lessons. I want to catch something here, okay? He says, it says in verse 15, Yahweh said to him, Go, your, go return to your wilderness. You'll go, you'll anoint King Haziel, the king over Aram, and Jehu, you'll anoint king over Israel, and Elisha will take your place, right? And then he says in verse 17, 18, rather, Yet I will leave. 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that is not. Do you notice what God does? This is, God doesn't come into Elijah's life and scold him. You're the prophet of God, Elijah. Come on, man up. Suit up now, sir. You know, he doesn't even do that. But he also doesn't say, hey, Elijah, you know, okay, here, take a vacation. He, he kind of, he, he hears them. And this is going to be key for what I'm going to point out here. It's the hearing of the voice of God that's going to change everything for Elijah. He hears what Elijah says. And by the way, he says, hey, Elijah, I got 7,000 who haven't bothered me. You're not alone. I, I got it, Elijah. It's not on you. On you. I, I, got, I got somebody else who's going to replace you. So you're good. You got a couple more things to do. But Elijah, I think, is a man who has has experienced great victory spiritually, and now he's spiritually exhausted and, and tired. I'm going to use this text sort of as a, as a launching into three lessons for spiritual life that I think are important things that I have to be reminded of, okay? So three... three um, you know, because sometimes life can be noisy, doesn't it? Life can be very, um, not just you know, noise everywhere. I mean, you guys go to a gas station. Now they have a TV. You ever notice they have a TV in the gas station at the power pump? Yeah. I mean, everywhere you go, there's a TV. Everywhere. Just, just leave me alone. Stop following me, you know? We are obsessed with noise. We are obsessed with noise. There's noise constantly around us, calling for our attention. Sometimes we go... 
And let's say we call it relaxing. We sit in front of the TV and we relax. We're not relaxing. We're being called with some more noise. And we got the TV going. We got YouTube going. We got, and we're relaxing, but we're not really, really rested. You ever notice that? You're not rested even though you're sitting there doing nothing? And there's the constant demands of life. We all have busy schedules and we have people calling us and texting us. Next thing you know, we're being pulled in all kinds of directions. And we get to a point after a while, like, we just want to pull our hair out. And we think that's what life is supposed to be. That's not what life is supposed to be. And so we have, we have all this go, 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 do, 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 accomplish, 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 noise, noise, noise. And then when we have a chance for quietness, we don't like quiet, so we turn something on. How many guys sleep with the TV on to put you, help you put to sleep? Some people do. They have to have that constant. So we're not used to that. So spiritually, though, spiritually, though, we need a three, three things. And one is silence. And the silence... It is the silence of listening to God's voice. It's interesting that when the house of the Lord was being built, I'm going to read to you a scripture from 1 Kings 7. It says, The house, while it was being built, it was, was built of a stone prepared at the quarry, and there was neither hammer nor axe nor any iron tool heard in the house while it was being built. Here's the idea. All the fashioning of those stones happened at the quarry, away from the house of the Lord. But when they brought it in, it was quiet. There wasn't the chisel and the action. That was, there was significance there. Remember, Jesus says, my house is a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. And he got upset at the money changers because they were a distraction from them conversing with God, both speaking and hearing. Right? Turn with me to Psalm 62. So I'm giving you three lessons. First one is the practice of silence, okay? The practice of silence. In order to, to meet the challenges of spiritual tiredness and weariness, Elijah's example, first is the lesson of si- silence. In Psalm 62, turn with me there, I want to read to you. This is kind of a sort of a Bible study, a devotional, whatever you want to call it, but we're going to be in the text. We're going to learn some lessons. You guys with me? Yep. Okay. Psalm 62, and I'm just going to point out a couple things. He says, um, Surely, verse 1, Surely my soul waits in silence for God. From Him is my salvation. Skip down to verse 5. Surely wait in silence for God, O my soul, for my hope is from Him. Verse 6. Surely he is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Now skip on to verse 11. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that strength belongs to God. Now I think it's interesting that there's a correlation between hearing God and strength. See, there's a correlation between hearing God, listening to God, and hearing God speak, and strength. How is it that Elijah, who just ran 40 miles and went through all that, God says, go back. But it's because he heard the voice of God. 
He got to a place where God spoke to him. He heard, he, he told God his problems, and God says, hey, go back. <laughs> but there was something about the strength of hearing the voice of God, hearing the word of God. I'm going to work on this for a second, okay? That I think was restorative to his soul. Okay? Um, go to Isaiah, a couple of chapters, uh, uh, Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50. In verse, hold on here. In verse 4. Lord Yahweh has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. Read it again. Lord Yahweh, the Lord God, has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. The word weary means to be weary from life's demands. How many guys have been weary? I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes I, you know, I'm busy, we're doing ministry and all that, and sometimes I'm like, Lord, life is just tiring and hard. You know, sometimes it's my own preconceived notions of what I have to do to keep, you know, just keep going, keep going, go, 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 do, 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 got to accomplish, 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 right? And then you find your cup empty, right? And then you try to pour out and it comes, it's, nothing's coming out. Why? Because you haven't received. I can't give what I haven't received. And I don't know, but I'm type A. I want to give, I want to accomplish. I have great dreams and visions and ideas. You know, I want to do all. And then as I think, well, that's tiring. <laughs> if it's all me doing it. Now, may God enable us to do more things. But let's not, get, let's not lose sight of the fact that what we have here is a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know? The word, he says, that I may know how to sustain. The word sustain is related to a word that means to speak a word in season. Uh, the original word means to bend, but it's related to a word that means to speak a word. In, uh, that, that I can speak a word, and that's a word from God that can sustain your soul. And that's what we need to hear. Our soul needs to hear a word from God. A couple of, uh, look, look over with me to Lamentations. Go to your, uh, where am I at here? Go to my, go to my left, right? We were in, wait, I'm in Isaiah, sorry, to your right, my bad. To your right, it's a couple of books. Lamentations, just a couple of verses there. Lamentations 3, sorry. Lamentations 3. Yahweh is good to those who hope in Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that He waits silently for the salvation of Yahweh, it is good for a man that he should bear the yoke of his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent since he has laid it on him. I think it's interesting that in, in the scriptures, the idea of hearing 
and listening is repeated multiple times. So I'm going to give you some idea. Um, in, I was thinking it was like a concordance I was looking at, uh, repeats the idea of listening. Yeah, concordance has 18 pages of references to hearing or listening. 18 pages. In the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, has nine pages about hearing or listening. And the phrase, hear the word of the Lord, is repeated 29 times. Isaiah, hear the word of the Lord. Jeremiah, hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel, hear the word of the Lord. On and on and on. The first, one of the first things that Israel is told to do is to hear the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Hear, that means to hear with a listening intent to obey. So it's not just sitting in silence somewhere. It is sitting in silence, but it's also waiting to hear expectantly. And there's a willingness to obey. And I'm, I don't want to uh, belabor this point, but um, there's, a dis- there's a distinct connection between listening and the sustaining of the Lord. And one more verse I want to show you. It's very familiar. Go to Luke chapter 10. Luke cha- chapter 10, a very familiar verse. I want to point something out to you, and then we'll go on to the next two points. Is everyone with me? Luke 10. Mary and Martha, right? Mary's busy. Martha's busy, rather. I want to point out something out to you. In Luke 10, and uh, verse 38, As they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her home. And she had a sister named Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, doing what? No, actually, she was doing something. She was listening to his word. See, that's the difference. The listening is intently listening to receive. Does that, you guys see that connection? It's active listening. Now, from our standpoint, if I'm looking back and say, Martha's busy. Mary, come on, get up off your, you know... But the way the text puts it, though, and she was listening to his what? His word, right? He's teaching his word. Martha's distracted. Jesus, tell her to help me. And she said, and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you were worried about, bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken. Or Mary has chosen what you should be doing. But Jesus, I need to serve you. I got to feed you. No, you don't. You have, you, I need to feed you. So as Christians, if we don't cultivate and take time to listen to God with the intent of hearing Him, our soul will become weary and tired and worn out. And we'll go in our own strength and we'll go do things for God empty. You say, well, how can I do this? Well, you gotta, there, this, is, this is priority number one. Sometimes you have to break away. That's my second point. Sometimes you have to go be by yourself. Jesus went off the solitude. Silence, solitude, solitude is you go by yourself. And sometimes you have to, and, I, and my wife tells me the same thing, put your, take your phone and don't put it in your room. Because you know I'm in my prayer closet and my phone is right next to me and Oh, what's going on on Instagram today, you know? And, oh, so-and-so is texting me. I'm trying to hear from God, and my phone's right here. Who's calling for my attention more? 
And then the enemy's like, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, hey, forget this. And I got, I'm tired about the things I have to do. Here's a, here's, a, here's a key. The voice of the enemy will wear you down and make you tired. The voice of the Lord will sustain you and strengthen you. Amen? And sometimes you have to say, I, that's, I've got to break away. And Jesus would often do that. I mean, you could read several texts about Jesus breaking away from the crowds. He says in Mark 6.31, Hey, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. Or sometimes, like Matthew 14, it says, After he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. This was Jesus, the Son of God, who felt it necessary to break away to spend time with God. I'm telling you guys things we already know. But Christianity is more than just knowing intellectually. Christianity is a surrender of the will to God. And it's also a relationship of Christ, our shepherd, and us being his sheep to receive from him. And sometimes it takes time. Who has a water bottle? Okay, I don't want to... Okay, imagine this water bottle is full of sand. And I shake up the sand. This is how our life is. Imagine now it's all cloudy. and It's, it's clear right now, but it's all cloudy. It's all clear, cloudy. And that's how our life is. Sometimes we get to break away and let it all settle. Amen? And, let the, and, and be in a place where we're receptive. And, and sometimes that takes a few minutes. And sometimes for some of us, it's like, Lord, I haven't... Oh, I, oh, I, and, well, i got to do this. Lord said, hey, settle down. Because at the end of the day... What's going to most matter is the time that we spent with Christ. I, I was at a preaching conference last week, and I've heard this from other preachers. I've heard it from like Billy Graham and all these people. This one preacher who was speaking at, he was, you know, if I can go back and talk to my younger self, um, I would wish I'd prayed more. Billy Graham said the same thing. I wish I'd prayed more. These are world, you know, these are world-class people, you know. They're saying, I didn't pray enough. I did a lot for God, but I didn't pray enough. I didn't spend time. So silence, solitude. I'm, I'm rushing right here because this, this is a whole series we can do, but I'm not going to do that. And the third thing is just taking a, a, taking a break, a stopping, a Sabbath, where you just, and Elijah needed that. He needed that break. He needed the solitude. He needed the silence. And he didn't need to stop, right? And sometimes we're go, 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 do, 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 and we don't even have a day off, right? We're Americans, right? <laughs> right, right from the beginning, God establishes that we. Six days you shall work, one day you rest. Why is that? Because you are a creature and you're limited and you're not meant to go and go and go and go. And what sometimes we are in life where situations come up. I've got my father-in-law who's sick with cancer. We're dealing with that. You know, I've got my dad. I've got the church. I'm, and I'm like, when's our day? When do we get a break? You know, and that has to be carved out. That has to be, you know, taking a time to to really spend time listening to God, spend time in His Word, meditating on His Word, and and giving getting direction and giving strengthened by His Word, being encouraged by His Word. It's okay to leave things undone. It used to be, and I, I don't know if they still do it today, with the, with the Jewish with the Jewish people. 
It's like if a rabbi is writing a letter and the Sabbath came, he put the pen down even if the letter was not finished. I'll get to you, God, as soon as I finish. No. Okay, unless there's a, you know, something in the oven. <laughs> but it's okay to leave things undone because tomorrow will be more things. Right? <laughs> See how that works? Tomorrow is another day of more things. And you're trying to live... You're trying to do all the tomorrow's stuff today with only today's strength. Give us this day, today, our daily bread. Why? Because we're trying to get it all done so that we come to the point in our life where we don't have anything else to do. That's not going to happen. <laughs> this day is the day that God has given us. This day, let's think and pray about this day. Let's say, Lord, fill me today with your presence. Give me your strength, encouragement. Read his word, seeking the encouragement of God, seeking the strength of him. And his word, that's my point, is his word is the one that gives you the strength and sustenance. And sometimes, you know what it is, on a practical level, I like to read through lots of books of the Bible, or lots of chapters. Like, I have a Bible reading book. Read 10 chapters a day. Oh, that's a lot, right? Read until you're blessed. Read until there's something that says, I'm going to chew on this for the rest of the day. Oh, this is good. And you let it nourish your soul. Don't read just to get the tally mark that you've gone through your whole Bible in a year. Why? Because I'm impressed with myself. I read, no offense to anyone, no offense. Okay, I'm just, I don't want to step on toes, but all I'm saying is this. Read to meet with the Lord, whether it takes you one verse, one word, a chapter, or a whole book. I don't care what it is. Who cares about this, the, the, the tally mark? That's great. But if you come away with just, hey, I just read it, now I'm going off. If you come away and say, I wasn't refreshed today, go back. You know? I know today is more of a sort of a devotional Bible study thing, but I felt, I just feel, how many of you guys need prayer for, for being spiritually tired? You just feel weary, you know? Feel like this life's been going on, and you just you just feel that uh, you're running on fumes. You know, let's let's pray right now. I want to bow. Let's let's just pray, Father. We just pray, Lord. We recognize you, Lord Jesus, that you are our shepherd, and we are sheep. Many of us, Lord, have been going and going and going, and and many of us are encountering a lot of things in our life that are calling our attention. Uh, maybe it's sickness or family or a job. And Lord, we're needing uh, refreshment from you, God. We're needing a filling, a fresh filling and renewal from your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to be like Mary. Help us to be like the disciple that hears your word and is sustained. God, I pray for my friends and family, sister, brothers and sisters in the Lord here who, are, who are, have been in the battle and they're tired. God, I pray that you would call each one of us, Lord, to a deeper place of trust, that you would speak, that we would hear the word of God, the word of the Lord speak to our soul, the words of, of comfort, the words of strength, your word, Lord, that sustains us. And Lord, help us to not be so distracted with the demands of life, but to, to be constantly listening for you.
Lord, we know that the enemy, when he speaks, it wears us down. But when you speak, it gives us life and, and sustenance and it sustains our weary soul. And so we ask, Lord, for your strength. And Lord, we just also pray as we prepare for receiving the Lord's Supper. Lord, this is something that you spoke to your disciples who you were preparing to go to the cross. And you gave this to your believers to do in your remembrance, to remember what you did by dying on the cross for our sins. So Lord, as we begin to prepare our hearts, speak to us, Lord, as we, we, as we pray, as we contemplate on what you did on the cross. Prepare our hearts for our time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.